Welcome to And Justice for All, the official podcast of Roosevelt University, exploring the relationship between education and justice and the transformative power of inclusive education. We, us, together, as a team. You might hear these remarks shouted from courtside this season from the Roosevelt Laker men's basketball team huddle. These are head coach D. Brown's mottos, ones he lives by on and off the court. In this week's episode, I sit down with D. Brown, a man synonymous with winning basketball. He first made his name as a prep basketball star at nearby Proviso East in Maywood, where he was named Mr. Basketball in the state of Illinois and a McDonald's All-American in 2002. He finished his career as the all-time leader in scoring, assists, and steals for the Pirates. Brown then went on to excel at the collegiate level for the University of Illinois from 2002 to 2006. Known as the one-man fast break, he led the Fighting Illini to -to back-to-back Big Ten championships in 2004. 2005. Following his successful collegiate career, Brown was selected in the 2006 NBA draft by the Utah Jazz. With additional NBA stops in Washington, Phoenix, and Dallas, Brown spent nine seasons playing professionally and won two championships and one Player of the Year award in Europe. Now he's here to lead our Lakers to victory. In this episode, Coach Brown and I discuss everything from his history to his coaching philosophy to his intensity on and off the court. If you're anything like me, you'll walk away wanting more. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm very excited to be here. I am with the man who's been called the one-man fast break. He is an NCAA men's basketball finalist, Big Ten Player of the Year, Big Ten Champion, I could go on and on, none other than the Roosevelt University Lakers head basketball coach, D. Brown. D. great to be here with you today. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to get talking. I'm very curious to hear, when did you fall in love with basketball? Oh, that's a great question. Age of nine years old, I used to always go and watch my brothers play at the uh, the courts at the local gyms, and um, I just fell fell in love with the gym, how I smelled how the shoes sounded when they hit the ground. Um, that's the competitiveness of it. Uh, I just knew I knew I wanted to do it when I, like the first time I saw the game of basketball. That's fantastic. I'm curious. Clearly, you have incredible physical talents to be able to achieve what you did. But I know a lot of people have that, and there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. So you, as a young player growing up, what helped you achieve what you did to, to go on to play not just collegiate basketball at the top level, but pro basketball. If you're talking to a young athlete today, really young, I have young young boys, what would you tell them about about succeeding in athletics? I definitely was a leader. Like I, I paid close attention. Uh, I know my strengths. So whenever I, I go to the court, wherever I went to play, I, I found I found the four best guys that, was, that can do what they do, mm-hmm. and I understood team. Like It's all about a team. If, I, if it was boxing or tennis – I have to be a different different type of dude. But, like, when it came to basketball, I had to do my role. I know what my role was. I knew what I was good at. So when I go to the courts, I, well, I went to high school, I went to college, I recruited guys to play with me who I knew was very good at what they do. 
they thought like me. It was about the team. We, us, together can accomplish a lot. And that's why I won all my life because I want to be around the best. I want to play with the best. I don't want to be on the best. I don't want to be the best player. Actually, I was never the best player on my team. And people know I say that all the time. I mean it with my heart. Like, I was on the best teams. And I did my job at a really high level because I knew my team, my brothers needed that from me in order to accomplish our, our goals. My standard has always been my standard. I want to win. And I only want to just win just against games or teams that we're supposed to beat. I want to win whoever step in front of us. And at the end of the year, we want to hold up number one and hold the trophy up. So that takes a different type of energy, different type of approach, your habits, your expectations. Everybody got to be in sync. So you got to recruit and play with, with guys who thought just like I did. Winning is the only thing that matters. However we got to do it, we got to sacrifice for one another. But at the end of the day, we're going to do it as a team. And that's why, for me, I've been so successful because I understand team and I want the best. I, I can identify, oh, my God, that person's amazing. I want to be with that person. And a lot of people can't, don't want to do that because they want to do it. They want to be I, me. I, I know I'm not that nice. I know I wasn't that good at certain areas of the game. But I knew I can lead and I knew I can bring something to the table every single night. And my teammates can depend on me to do that. And I need guys, when I look at them, they know I need them to be the best at what they say they are. That's really interesting because, first of all, it sounds like you're sort of a coach in embryo from very early on. And we'll come back to talk about your coaching style. But, um, you know, I think it's easy when you have that much athletic success at such a young age. I know you set all sorts of high school records. You were literally renamed Mr. Basketball. I think I'd insist for the rest of my life people call me Mr. Basketball if I got that title. And you seem to have actually a real humility and to, I would, I, I think, sort of underplay your talent, right? You always had uh, amazing gifts. Uh, where did that come from? Like, that, that seems like it's easy as, as a really successful athlete, that I think, to fall into the other mindset and to think it is all about me and to be really focused on your own individual success. What, what, what made you different in that way? Uh, I think the best skill I have is hard work. Hmm. People who, hard, who work hard, that's a skill. People don't know that. I knew that. I saw my mom do it every single day. And it really just drove me to be who I am on the basketball court. You know what I mean? How she fed us, how she sacrificed, you know, everything she had for us. How she woke up in the morning, and how, you know, how she got to work, how she always was punctual. You know, I think for me, growing up, I had this thing called passion. I, I didn't know how to control it. I didn't know I was afraid to talk about stuff I was passionate about because once I get going, you know, I, I love basketball. Like, I do anything for it. I, I tell people all the time, I tool my body up doing it for so many mm. years that you gotta it's gotta be some passion behind what you're doing so those two things like you gotta outwork me that was my biggest skill like I'm not downplaying my talents at all I'm just telling you that when you come to the gym every day I, I apply pressure to mm. the most skilled person in here to outwork me if you can outwork me you're bad you're, you're a bad dude but <laughs> a lot of them struggle with it because it was an everyday it was an everyday thing for me and then I was passionate about it I loved it I loved it to the point where nothing came before it and, I, and sometimes that can you know, people don't know how to treat that or, or they judge you off that. You know what I mean? So when I talked about it, it was like, damn, why this dude so energetic? Why he talk so much about, you know, what he do? It's because I love it. So I say those two things for anybody that know me. It's, it's very accurate to say that when I show it up every day, I do whatever it takes to win. And I love what I do. You know, I think uh, with all your basketball accolades, a lot of people probably don't know when I was when I was looking at some of the articles about you, uh, you were also a fantastic student. You were uh, near the top of your class uh, in high school, even as you're setting all those records. Now you're dealing with college athletes. I think uh, any pl- person playing a serious sport and going to school, it's it's difficult to do that. So I'm curious, and this could be advice you have for, for college students now or high school students, like how do you strike that balance in being really successful at something like basketball, which demands a lot of time, and still being 
a really good student as well? Uh, people don't take you serious if you don't take academics serious. I, I don't take people serious. And uh, I just thought when I was around school, people used to be like, oh, y'all dumb jocks. They always used to say names and stereotype, you know, put us in boxes and stereotype us. And I used to laugh because, uh, you know, I was in honor programs. I was in honor classes. And I wasn't the smartest dude. I could tell you all that. But, again, it goes back to those two things. You know, I'm very, very, I work very hard. Uh, I got a good mouthpiece on me. So me and my teachers had a really good relationship. <laughs> they knew I was passionate about doing good in their class. I didn't just go home and just BS around with their assignments they gave me. I put my all into it. And when you put your all into something, you, you get back. You know, like for me, great. You know, like again, school wasn't hard for me. Mm-hmm. You know, any class I went in, it was it was like, say for instance, chemistry. It bothered me. Chemistry was one of the hardest classes in high school for me. But I used to go after school and get extra help. Mm-hmm. I used to show up early and you know talk to the teacher. How, what what can I do to get better? You know, and you know people took me very serious. You know, having mm-hmm. a three point five GPA, being one of the top fifteen in your class, and you know, then going to University of Illinois, graduating in three years, I just kept, kept showing people I was serious about academics and serious about school. And um, so now as a coach, it's easy to explain to them all those things. And you can brag on those things because I actually did the work. And when you go through that process of getting a degree, you go through that process of getting a high school diploma, mm-hmm. you show people that you can go through a process. And, and especially if you get A's and B's, you go through a process and you be serious about it. I like serious people. Mm-hmm. People who, know, who say they're serious to get D's and C's, I much respect to you, but for me, coming from what, what I come from, uh, that was that was unacceptable. You know, I had to bring home A's and B's for my mom, and even sometimes B's was you know wasn't, wasn't accepted because it's just a standard she had mm-hmm. for what you need to do when you show up to class, and and, and it's teachers that that put their hard earned you know hours in to to create those plans to try to give you that information and and, and teach you well. So I just take stuff serious, and so I appreciate the the. Um, Noticing I was a good student, but that got me to the University of Illinois. That gave me an opportunity to go to college for free, and I knew that. I knew that I needed to be a really good student and take that serious, or colleges wouldn't take me serious. Pretty impressive graduating three years, too. It's never a, went home. It's I, no easy thing. No, no easy thing, but I never went home. Even down there, I could, I could name five of my professors who I'm still cool with. Uh, I respect them. You know, mm-hmm. Teaching is messy. Teaching is hard. You know, And now me being a college coach, that's one of the things I tell people. They be like, that's all you do? And it ain't just about coaching excellence and old. You know, you got to teach life. So for me, I just appreciated all the professors, all the teachers who helped me get through school. Because school, for some people, can be difficult. But for me, it was something that I wanted to let people know. I I, I took very serious, and they had to respect me for being a student athlete. Because a lot of these guys don't know I wasn't just a, you know I wasn't just an athlete. You know, I was a student first. Yeah, I said it was an athlete student. That's I, that's why I think they need to name it nowadays. Yeah. Is he's an athlete student. Because you got to put so much more into the athletics because guys see themselves going to play pro ball or they, they get these NLI deals. Or they, they're focusing primarily, their job is to be an athlete. Nah, you're getting paid to be a student too, I thought. Hmm. So that's the that's the confusion I, I, that I have with college athletics right now. If you, are you an amateur or are you a pro? Yeah. I don't think they understand what it is. They just building and, 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 and throwing stuff out there to try to keep the college game alive, which is good. But you got to remember you're a student first because this game going to end. And I know a lot of guys don't know that. I knew that. I knew that when I was done, I, I would need a college degree. I wish my senior year when I broke my foot and I went back to the University of Illinois, I'd have got my master's. That's the only thing I, I, right, I regret. Because you finished your, your undergrad yeah, degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I came back my senior year. I just, I became a, I just became an athlete. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a student no more. Mm-hmm. I should have just did two 15-hour semesters of trying to get my master's and I'd have been done. But 
Um, again, that's just you live and you learn. That's why I always tell guys, you got a chance to get your master's, get it, because that adds so much more value to you, and you get two masters. You can keep going. Like, mm-hmm. a- education is a lifelong process. It's just keep going. I'm still learning stuff. I'm still learning about basketball. I'm still learning about different things. I want to get my book collection up. I want to keep reading. You know what I mean? I want to keep doing stuff because I know the world keep going. You got to yeah. keep learning. That's great. You know, I love that. I, I, and I love how you're talking about coaching. I think the natural assumption is, oh, coach, he goes out, he runs practice. <laughs> he, he tells him what to do during the game. But I think it involves way more than that. So I'm just curious, when you look at your role as a coach, what are the other things you do that people may not think about when they think about what a coach actually does? Oh, yeah, of course you do the X's and O's. You teach the game. You do practice plans. You run practice. You recruit. Um, but you got to sit down with these young guys and really, you know, give them life, life skills as well, mm-hmm. right? You got you to connect with them on the one-on-one, on the one-on-one level. You got to take them out. You got to make sure they know, understand what community is. You know, do good in the community. You got to make them understand what community as far as within the school, how to, how to socialize, how to carry yourself how to be a professional. You know, you got to teach them life skills and then mm-hmm. just about basketball. And then you just think you just come to practice for two and a half hours and you go home. No, nah, it's more to it. You got to come up with a plan. You know, if you really in this to teach, you really in this to, to impact lives, you got to be creative and think of ways to really impact them. Because nowadays, I always tell people, the challenge is, you know, I can talk to my players in eight different ways. I can hit them on Snapchat. I can hit them on Twitter. <laughs> I can hit them on Facebook. I can hit them on FaceTime. I get them all these things. Yeah. When I was coming up, it was one way. Yeah. They just called me. You know what I mean? So it's a lot of different ways you got to get to them. And they got so many different things on their phone that they look at that I may not be priority number one or I may not, you know, so many people giving out information on their Twitter. They could read seven different stories, <laughs> you know. So it's a lot of information being given to them. And when I, when, when they get to the to the gym, they feel like I'm I'm more of in, in preach mode, preachy mode and all mm-hmm. that. But I'm just trying to get through to them in ways where they got, you know, my coaches got through to me. Yeah. How do you, so I, I, you know, as a teacher myself in the classroom, I know I struggle with the same thing, right? They have all sorts of distractions now. It's hard to keep them really focused on what we're doing all the time. Uh, what do you do to break through that, right? It's not the same when it used to just be, you know, guys showing up and even before the age of cell phones to go way back, right? When it was just much simpler. Like, how do you make sure you can reach them and really kind of shape them in the way that they, that hopefully to make them into a great basketball player and a great human being? Yeah, I just, I check the temperature of the room. Guys come in, what are they going through? What what society are you going through right now? Well, what do they need to hear from me? And I identify three things, and I try to attack those things. Mm. I think the first thing for me, I, I've always been a peace, love, positivity guy. And I think these kids do need love. You know, They need to be positive. They need to have a positive attitude. So I, I look up all the positive stories that I can I can think of, and I, I give it to them. I just steady feed them positive information because they're getting, they're getting so much negativity mm. that you got to mix it in. So I just try to ask them questions, know they why, figure out what, what, what makes them tick, and then go out into the world and, and let, you know, use resources to help me. So when I, when I make out my plan, I name what I steal. So I love Hubie, Hubie Brown. He got he got these things he, he come up with. So I put on my sheet the Hubies. I'm like, what that means? So now the guy's going to go research who, who, who Hubie Brown is. Yeah. Now they're going to learn what great coach he was, why yeah. he made the impact in the NBA. So I took what he said, and, and I used it, and I stand on what he said because it makes sense. So I always go out and just gather other information, other voices, so it ain't just coming from me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's, that's what D say. No, this is the Dungies. You ever heard of Tony Dungy? Yeah. I name everything that, I, 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 that I've got gotten from people who impacted me and I try to give it to them so now they, they they studying other guys who did it before me so it's just creative ways to get through to your to, to, to these young guys is always always a good way to do yeah. to do it 
Yeah. I, I notice um, – so being a, being a successful team, I think you create a real culture around that, right? There's kind of a buy-in on the, your belief system and what you're really trying to do. When I'm sitting in your office now and I see uh, Roosevelt University culture code behind me, do you mind talking about that to me and sort of sharing what you're working with the team on? Absolutely. Uh, when I was in school, we had three of them. We wanted to be the most unselfish, we wanted to be the toughest, and we wanted to be the, you know, the hardest working. And I think when you start looking at it, you know – that 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 code came from the Miami Heat, who has a great culture. Hmm. Everybody don't get drafted by the Miami Heat. So when, when we got into to, to to school started, I came to them. I said, guys, listen, I'm gonna give you my core values. I'm gonna give you what we're gonna be about. And the first one is is the best conditioned. You'll tell our guys to tell you right now, man, we run a lot. <laughs> but I challenge you to be in the best shape of your life when you come into the program because we want to play this frantic pace. We want to we want to push the ball. We want to guard hard. So I want you to challenge yourself to be the best conditioned you can be because the best conditioned teams win. Mm-hmm. That's that's not a secret. Everybody knows it, but everybody don't want to do it. Then you go to two. It's you hard. Go, it's very hard. <laughs> but winning championships is hard. Yeah. Life is hard. You got to teach people hard. Nothing's going to be easy. Yeah. I hate when guys think, oh, I'm going to be the vice president of, you know how hard that is? Yeah. Like, that ain't something people just utter out and say, you know what I mean? So some things that you say, we won't win championship, that's hard. You can't sugarcoat it. It ain't going to be easy. So to get to that level, you have to make sacrifices and stand on something. So go to the second one, which is hardest working. When you look at what what we're doing, we're doing more than you. We work harder than you. The best teams, when they play against you, they're not – they're so prepared, which we'll get to that one as well, but they they work so hard that that's where they gain their confidence. Mm-hmm. Not worried about this game. We just work so hard this week. Mm-hmm. And they go out there and they perform because practice was just as hard as this game is going to be. You know what I mean? So then you go to three, and then you go to most unselfish. I always talk about this one in the way of everybody want to be the guy. Right? I was a star role player. And when I break that stat down to people, they're like, what do that mean? They gave me my role. And I'm going to be the best on the team at doing that. And when all, everybody comes together, we got to be so unselfish to the point where it's not about you. It's never going to be about you. It's about the team. Hmm. And you got to sacrifice all what you yeah, – everybody come from the high school, we was all the best at our high school. Now when we're together, <laughs> we, we all them guys. Yeah, That's the hardest thing for a lot of guys to, 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 to really adjust to. So that most unselfish is, is, is the one that really, for me, people struggle with. Yeah. Next one is the toughest. Life is tough, man. You know, people, my, they told me it's going to be tough. The older I got, all these bills I got, all this stuff I go through, I'm like, man, life, you know. So the tough is just simply, man, it comes in different forms. It has no look. It just has tough is tough. You know, you, you know we, today there's going to be a tough day. Mm-hmm. You know what that means, and you embrace it. You know what I mean? We, 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 come, in the, we come in the weight room. We, we go through a long practice. We look at film. Then I got to go sit and lecture for three hours. That's tough. But you, you embrace it. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what you want to get to, to to your guys, and that's what it is for us. It's mm-hmm. going to be tough. Then the other one is uh, most prepared. Now, a lot of people say they prepare for what's about to happen. We're trying to win a championship, so to prepare for that, you have to go through a process. It's going to be a, a long. It's going to be a lot of hard work, a lot of, a lot of tough days. We're going to be prepared to go on the road and win the game. We're going to prepare, be prepared to go and try to compete and get to the next round. And you got to be prepared for that by paying attention to the small details and executing it. And we have a plan, and we, we want to execute it, but we want to make sure that every single day we're preparing ourselves for that moment. And then the last one is real critical that people listen to this one. This is a deep one. Be the most disliked. This ain't for everybody. 
you know, the teams that's winning, that's, that's kicking tail, the, the schools that's got the most school pride, the Michigans, the they they don't care if you don't like them. Yeah, it's you you ask them why you don't like because we over here winning. Yeah, because because we, we we the best at this, we the best at that. We, you know, we work hard, we we we, we sew together, we we look. You want to be on our bus? I don't care if people dislike me or not because they're gonna dislike me for the wrong reasons. Yeah, because because we winning. That's the ultimate goal. You know what I mean? So for us, we want to be the most disliked, and that, I mean that on the competitive side. Not when we walk on campus. We want people, our community, to love us because we give back to the community. We're talking about the other, the competition. When they see us, like, well, who they think they are? <laughs> you know, we them guys that's hanging banners. We the guys that's working hard. We the guys that's getting A's and B's. We the guys that, and some people dislike that because they want to be a part of it. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you're talking about that. I mean, first of all, it's interesting talking about the, uh, you know, hardest working I remember reading something by uh, Gene Oriyama, the UConn women's basketball coach, and, and his players said that uh, the way he ran practice, they almost looked forward to games because the games felt easier than the practice because he put them under such stress with the drills and everything, which I think is, you know, kind of an interesting way to do it right in preparing. But I, you know, all these things, you know, I, I so my question for you is they're, they're hard, right? And I think everyone mentally says, yeah, I'm up for that. To be the best, I'm willing to do that. And then, you know, we try doing things like that, and a lot of us, I think, are on like, well, this is a lot harder than I thought. I think I maybe do something else. How do you motivate people to commit in that way to achieve that level? Because I think you're right. To, to win a champion, you've, you've got to commit to these things in a way that's beyond what you imagine when you first commit, right? It's it's a real challenge. That's why recruiting is the bloodline in any program. You know, I inherit this roster. You know, I think it's a really good roster. Got some really good kids. Love being around them. Um, but as as we go out through the years, when I walk, when I go in the living rooms and I sit and I talk in front of people, in front of parents, in front of the kids. Um, they're going to know I'm serious. Um, they're going to have to have, they're going to be like, my team's going to be a reflection of me. So I, I need serious minded individuals who care about what I care about. And if, and when you have that, when you get the right players, that's re, that, that's what makes coaches. I mm-hmm. think I, I don't know what kind of coach I'm going to be. I, I'm, I'm being serious. Like I'm not, no, I haven't won a game. I haven't played a game yet. So I don't think I'm John Wooden, but when I get my type of player, the guys were serious, tough, loved the game. That's when you become a really good coach. Hmm. And you got the players. Yeah. You got to have the players. So for me, recruiting is going to be big. Me sitting across from a parent, they know I'm serious about what I'm saying. And sometimes I struggle with this because it's a self-promotion business. I got to sit and tell you all my accolades. I got to right. sit and tell you I made A's and B's. I got to sit, sit and tell you I graduated college three years. I got to sit and tell you I, I set first row in the class. I got to sit and tell you if I didn't know answer to a, a, a question in class, I had to at least raise my hand twice just to let the people in the class who knew the answers not to be afraid to raise their hand and help me. Yes, Mr. Brown. Um, even if I get the answer wrong, yeah. and you call me a, a, a dumb A. I, don't, I, I didn't care. I just want you to know that I'm – I'm actively trying yeah. to participate, and somebody had know the answer, and they don't want to say it. So please tell me so I can know it for this test. Yeah. So for me personally, I just, I just, I just need serious, tough-minded people who who love bad, who love basketball, who love life. I need the players who serious like me, and when they come to, so when I'm doing all this hard stuff and I'm, I want to compete for championships, they speak my language. Mm. Man, it's hard, man. I don't want to go there today, man. Like I. You know that's you know I, again I I've won all my life man I never I've I hung around a lot of winners who they, they don't speak like that yeah they be like bring that on I'm ready yeah that's all you got for me <laughs> serious yeah and that's why I say I think all my guys that I play with they taught me so much you know what I'm saying taught me so much even on professional level I played for two losing teams in my life and when I was on those losing teams 
I, at days, I, I, I thought in my mind, like, I'd never been around a loser. Hmm. I never heard this type of language. I never heard, I never watched that type of action. So for me, and just being around the, the right people and people who want to win, who people who are serious, people who look at me like, come on, man, better up your game. I'm, 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 I'm nice. <laughs> I like that. It drives me. It makes me, you know, okay. It makes me go home and do all the right things. Make you go home and sleep. Make you go home and eat right. Make you do the right things. And if everybody doing the right things, you win. And it's hard to do. Yeah. Nobody wants to sacrifice. Nobody want to be, you know, every day just not thinking about themselves. It's, it's, it's a hard thing. And for some, the, the the ones who are really good at it, they try to keep it a secret. But it's no secret. You know what I'm saying? There's no secrets to it. It's real simple. Yeah. It's, it's about the team. Yeah. No. I know you're relatively new in your head coaching career, but clearly you've worked with great coaches and players and things like that. And you're already have a lot, I'm sure a lot of ideas about, you know, what goes into making a great team, coaching, all that sort of stuff. I'm just curious what, uh, what you would point to from your past, what people uh, you worked with, what they taught you, sort of what you, the, the, the kind of background of how you've begun to develop your own ideas about coaching. I got this new thing now. I, I, in the past on podcasts and, and storytelling, I always give names. I don't want to give names no more because I don't want to give nobody no free publicity. <laughs> they don't do me like that. I'm being serious. I ain't heard nobody say, man, what Deep Brown did this yeah. for me. I'm, so I, the name dropping is, I mean, I got a lot of great mentors. So the guys I will name, I respect so highly because – they um they deserve it to the point where they gave me like valuable valuable information that pushed pushed me to a, a different level. So like the John Mastrons, he's one of my one of my favorite coaches. He, he used to teach me about life, politics, religion, business. I mean, he thought I was the best player on the planet. You know what I mean? Like he believed in me to the point where he just he's elevated my game. He elevated mm-hmm. me off the court. He made me respect everything about. Life, like kind of, you know what I'm saying? It just mm-hmm. opened my mind. It made me be more thoughtful. I think kids are not thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Really think about, you know, at that age, you're at the highest peak of your life. Don't don't burn no bridges. Don't talk to nobody in any type of way. Mm-hmm. Don't think you better than them because you're at the top. You know, still, be, you know, it's, it's a humble beast. But when you step between them lines, everything's out the window. Yeah. You turn into something else. And some of the wording I used to use, I can't use now, but I was a monster. I was one of those guys that by any means, you, I, I'm, I'm a competitor. I love competing. But when you step outside those lines, everything is everything is you know it's culture, man. It's peace, love, and positivity. We all, mm-hmm. you know, in this to to impact the world. So he made me just he's opened my eyes to a lot of different things. Um, I would say um, Bill Self. I mean, he came in my my living room, told me and my mom exactly who I'd be at Illinois, mm-hmm. and I only got to play for him for one year. But everything that ha- he told me that would happen at Illinois, you know became true mm-hmm. uh, he was the first dude to believe in me like really tell me that um if i stay home I, I will become who i who i am today and that meant a lot to me because coming from where i come from you don't hear guys like himself come in and talk to you like that and mm-hmm. really mean it you know what i'm saying I, I'm, I'm real good on body language real good on tones and he, he got a great mouthpiece but me and my mom was on the same page with how he spoke it was genuine it was um really trying to help you uh, become who you want to become. Mm-hmm. And when God really invests in you like that, it, it changed my life for sure. And then I would say my mom, you know, my mom passed four years ago, but everything that she instilled with me from school to how you treat people, how you work, how you support your kids, just top to bottom, just like the motivation she gave me just to, to be who I am. You always tell me to smile, be positive. 
Um, I saw her hang with different nationalities and how people treated her. You know what I'm saying? It was mm-hmm. just she had a great spirit about her. It made me be the same way. You know, I, I hate when people like judge people. Or you you got this look, you look this way, and they judge you. She always say, "See through that." You know, that's 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 on them. You know, still be yourself, still go every day, and make sure you'll be a trustworthy, hardworking dude, and you'll always be liked. Not just liked, you'll be respected, and that meant a lot to me. And she just gave me so instilled so much um, so much love in me that. That's why I show so much love to everybody when I meet them. You know, it sounds, listening you're talking about, it sounds, as I said in the beginning, like you were, there was, a, there was a part of your DNA that was very much aligned with being a coach, right? It doesn't surprise me hearing you talk that you've made this transition. But uh, can you tell me about making that transition? Like, What's it like going from being a player on the floor to being a coach on the sidelines? Easy money for me. I've been coaching. <laughs> like, I've been leading my teams. Like I said, uh, like, it's a player-driven sport. You know, I, I, I ran every locker room I was in, every every team I ever played on. I ain't going to say I ran it, but I was a voice. Mm-hmm. They listened to me. You know, they took me serious. They respected me because of the work I did, the things I said, how I studied the game, how I loved the game. So I, I've been a leader in the locker room. It's more now learning how to articulate and, and, and teach. Like, like you would think guys know how to do something. They don't. So how do you teach them how to do it? How do you get the message off to them? So I want to become better at that, of course. But everything else is everything. Like I, the role I'm in now, you got you, you know, I think the best coaches in the world in the, in the world are leaders. Like they're just leaders. Like their staff. Like who who under their staff? How they treat their players? Just top to bottom, you got you got to know how to lead. And that's how I judge people who in, who in roles. If you're the president and CEO of a company, I hope you know how to lead. I hope you know how to read the room. I hope you know how to make people better. You know, I, mean, I, I hope you know that person don't like to be yelled at. That person, you can yell at them. It's a feel. <laughs> yeah. I, I got great feel. I know how to make guys better. That's, that's, that's my biggest strength. I told you, those two things that got me to the NBA, leading and, I, and, and, and guarding. I had, to, I had to play defense. It wasn't my scoring, D for three. It wasn't. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm 5'11 and whatnot. I can shoot from half. No, it was I can talk to you in a way. I can lead by actions as well. And I can guard the hell out of you. Only how I made it. I think uh, if I remember one of your many accolades, uh, Defensive Player of the Year for Absolutely. the Sporting News. Absolutely. Which, again, goes back to the hard work, right? You want to play defense, you're going to have to – got to move. Also, also, also being the most unselfish. I didn't like playing defense. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I wanted to score the ball. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. every every kid want to score. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But when they told you, D, you, you, you don't score that well. Defend. <laughs> That's the harsh reality of our yeah. business. You know what I'm saying? They tell you exactly. It's people who get paid a lot of money to tell you, hey, listen, doing that, probably pay you a quarter. <laughs> do that, they'll probably give you a dollar. Yeah. Like, oh, I do the dollar. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm not that good at that. You know what I mean? And you got to be, you have self-awareness. You got to know yourself. And um, so for me, leading and playing defense was my ticket, and that's what I base my my system on now. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a good leader. I'm gonna lead in a way where, because again, <laughs> I'm a great follower. I've been a follower a lot of times. When I say I'm a leader, you know, you're just natural born leader. But on some teams and certain organizations, I was a like for five years, I was a follower at UIC. I was assistant. I did what I was told mm-hmm. at a high level, and I, and I and I like that to be a good leader. You have to be a follower because you got to understand that this seat is this seat ain't easy. I mean, leading and being ahead is everybody want to be the head, right? Yeah, okay, until you get into the chair. That's what they used to tell me. <laughs> but I told them, no, I, I, I would have been a great follower for the rest of my life until, until the situation you know, aroused. But at the end of the day, uh, this is what I want to do, and this is what I was built to do. Tell me, you played at the top level, and now you're dealing with coaching. And I think there's – I always wonder as an athlete, you're playing something like, let's say, the NCAA tournament. It's a lot of pressure. How do you – how do you handle the pressure? 
how do you uh, kind of learn to bring your best basketball at that key moment, which is if you're going to be a champion, right, you got to be able to play the best, not just in, you know, the regular season game, but in the, the championship game. They said pressure is a privilege. Didn't they say that? I, I, I have that, heard right? that, yeah. I, I, that's, that's a really nice quote. <laughs> um, yeah, playing in front of 60,000, playing in front of 20,000. I mean, I, I had a really good imagination as a kid. Really good imagination. So I used to always picture myself playing in front of those big, big, big crowds. But I used to work, man. I used to shoot 1,500 shots a day. So when I got in front of the crowd, you know, I, I'm, I'm 0 for 4. I can't make a shot. I fed off how hard I still played without having to score a mm-hmm. bucket. And I thought about doing those timeouts, take my mind to a place where I just shot 1,500. Mm-hmm. Right? So I still got a lot more bullets to shoot. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, I never thought about the crowd. I never thought about who was there watching me, who, was, who wasn't cheering, who was cheering. I just thought about the, the mission. And the, the bottom line was to win. Mm-hmm. That make any sense? That's yeah. all. I, that's all yeah. I ever thought about. I totally no, thought. it does. I mean, I've read uh, successful athletes. It's interesting. They're really good if whatever's happening at making a positive thing out of it, right? So if they're on a hot streak, they're like, "I'm on a hot streak. I'm going to keep shooting." And if they've missed a bunch, they think, "Well, I missed a bunch, so I'm due to make one, right?" So that's interesting. I think that's sort of what you're saying. There's a way to always kind of find a way back to thinking about you know the next the next one's going to go even better than, than the last. Absolutely. one. Absolutely. That's why I think I fell in love with golf a little bit because <laughs> God think next shot. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you gotta think that the game it ain't gonna be easy. So yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna present some adversity. And how, how could you deal with it? I told I put myself, I got comfortable being uncomfortable. The stuff I used to do, it prepared me for it. I said, the harder you work, the easier things get for you. That's where you gain your confidence from. And I shot a lot, I ran a lot, hmm. I, I invested a lot into the game. And I wish at this age now, I would tell you, I wish I would have did more. Hmm. But I always tell our guys now, one of my um, program expectations or goals is to. Enjoy your experience. I loved University of Illinois. So being a student was awesome. It's like if I'm catching my drift, like my social no. game was really good. <laughs> I had a great time. But also when it came to being an athlete, I appreciated that time I got it as being a student. Mm-hmm. You got to have a balance. If you don't got a balance, that's when it becomes a little, you know. So one of my program goes, I tell our guys all the time, day off, hey, man, go enjoy yourself. Take your girl to a nice lunch. Y'all go walk, beautiful walk, watch a movie. Just have a great time, man. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then make you want to come back hungry when you get to the lab the next day. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, you played at the high school level, the college level, the pro level. What's it like at those different levels? Like, How does it change when you move, jump from one to the next? How, how does the game change? How does the pressure on you change? What happens? Level as far as college, high school? High pros? school to college and then college to pro. Man, uh, high school was fun. High school, you want to get downstate. High school, there's really no... No pressure, but I went to high school where we, we're a powerhouse, you know, so getting downstate, you know, I never got downstate, so it was a bus for me, you know, got got to the super sections and lost, so that that haunted me not getting downstate and winning mm-hmm. one when we should have won one. Mm-hmm. Got to college, you know, went to a Sweet 16, lost a national championship. Um, the program goal at University of Illinois is to win a national championship. Fell one game short. Get to the NBA, you know, make it to the Western Conference Finals, you know, you four games away from, eight games away from winning the NBA championship. Yeah. Go overseas. You know, I lost. In, I lost in one championship in, in Latvia. Won two. Won one in Israel. Won, won another one in Bulgaria. So winning championships has always been on your, on my mind, and it's, 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 that's been the thing. You know, if, if I don't win the championship, it was a bust. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of things people don't know you go through if you really a winner. You know, I, I went through a lot of struggles mentally with it because. 
wanted to win. Mm-hmm. And you don't win, and you, you, you just keep remembering those days. I can't, it's not a day go by. I don't think about the national championship. It's not a day go by when I see baby blue, and I'll be sick to my stomach. Because you, mm-hmm. you really wanted to accomplish that goal. And you remember all the hard work it took to, to even get to that, that stage. And people talk you out of it like, you know, there's going to be a winner. There's going to be a loser. You guys were really good. You know, when you hear NCAA finalists, you know, we always say it's only a first place. Now you get third, fourth place trophies. <laughs> yeah. You know, we don't want our runner up trophy. You know what I'm saying? But, but, but you got to, we got to, there's a certain respect and a certain appreciation we have for understanding that, you know. I would tell people this, man, and um, it's the honest God truth. Like, they should show the losing locker room more than they show the winning sometimes. I think people, you know, they the, the confetti come down, the one shining moment song come yeah. on, people cry and get a certain. They should show the locker room for the other team. Yeah, it, it's it's one of the most it's the saddest thing that I've ever been a part of, and I've been to, you know, two funerals in my life, and I don't want to compare death to that, but I'm just telling y'all, they should show just one time the other the other locker room, and I promise people will have, they will have the uh, the, the craziest moment in their life when they see both mixed. Yeah, you, you, that makes sense. They, yeah. they, they'll show the the, the winners, and they be like, "Man, oh, they geek." And they show the losing team, and they got any type of heart. It it it, it, it it'll take them to a place where, wow, I didn't know those kids was that invested. Yeah, I didn't know it hurt them that much. It's devastating. So, I, I've always when I watch the game, I don't worry watch the national championship game, but I always tell somebody, I, I wonder what coach gonna videotape that and put that out. Hmm. It's cool to cry. It's cool to let that out. It's cool to show that they hard work because you cry when you win. Yeah, I see the cry when you lose. So, it's uh, it's definitely pressure. It's definitely how you are and what you how how you how you value winning. You know, how hard you, you know, you how how much you put your body through something and didn't accomplish the end. That's why I think on you know it's it is levels to it like D one N C D one D two N A I A. There's no levels. All levels when you lose, it's the same losing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think they need to show that because kids put their their body through so much. And I think when you think about that, a lot of kids are thoughtful. They be like, well, I don't want to try too hard because I'm scared to fail. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and that's why yeah. they don't push themselves to the yeah. limit because they're like, well, I'm going to fail anyway. It's no such thing, really. You know what I mean? That's why I got to the point of like, we made it to the national championship and we failed. Like, some people got to talk me out of that and be so positive with me to make me be like, you can't talk to me and explain to me that I like the opposite of that. Like you did great. It's <laughs> awesome. You finished second. You can't talk to me like that. Yeah. Like it's not awesome. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. we wanted to be number one. We worked to be at the top. And I think that's the thing that people don't see or realize, or as a small group of people, like one percenters who think like that. Yeah, I think that's going back to your list. You know, that's the unforgiving nature of this, right? When you invest that much, right? That's the ultimate goal. And if you fall short, even if you've done all those things the right way, and you, you know, unselfish, hard work, and all the rest, there's there are those guys who end up on the wrong side of the equation. It's no painful. Doubt. The more you invest, the more painful it is. No doubt. No doubt. But now, nah, I mean, I know guys who don't do nothing, <laughs> and then when they go out, they what they expect is something. Yeah, they didn't invest nothing. Lose, and you expect that to happen. Yeah. But what if they invest a little more? That wouldn't happen. Yeah. I think that's the most painful. When you actually don't give it up your all and, and just sit back and, and accept the outcome. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because you feel you feel that way. I think that's the worst, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Because and that it's going to be a winner. It's going to be a loser. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So. Well, uh, I would love to see the stands rocking for you and being like an extra person on the floor all season. So. 
let me offer you the chance to make your pitch to the Roosevelt community about why every single student, staff, faculty member, people from the greater Chicagoland area should come out to see the Lakers this season. We're going to play hard. we got a lot of guys, too, that's invested in the program, been here. we got some older guys who really, I mean, we got some great guys on the team, man, who've been buying in and accepting their roles. And um, I'm, I'm grateful and appreciative of them because, you know, with the coaching change, I had a coaching change as well just changing the whole philosophy mm-hmm. and, and doing things a whole a different way, and they've been buying in. So we're going to play hard. We're going to play up, up-tempo up pace. we definitely going to play unselfish. These guys share the ball. They like each other. And when you got a team that like each other, you know, you're know going to see a team that shares the basketball, and we're going to play hard. It's going to be it's gonna be a good good product on the court because of the culture that we're building, and those guys are doing a great job of buying in. You know, We bre- always break our huddles. I say together. They say as a team, everything we're going to do is, is, is team-based. And if it ain't team based, teams struggle, mm-hmm. and especially struggle to to accomplish the things that um, we're trying to accomplish. Like our expectations ain't you know, when you put your hands in the air, we ain't saying one, two, three, seven place. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we 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 try we trying to be one, two, three in the league. Um, that's very difficult um, because you got to be consistent. You know, everybody got to be in sync. Got to have the same habits, beliefs, um, and we and we, we got to show up and be who we say we are mm-hmm. and. And that right there is, is is hard because one thing when you start the season, people start writing articles about your best players. They start uh, you know, people start showing up and seeing that now now everybody playing for themselves again. Yeah. Nah, we still playing for the same thing together as a team, and you just happen to be the guy that's playing well right now. And that's the where the most unselfish come in. I, you know, I went through stages where I was college player of the year, and I went a month where. I was four for 42 from three, and I'm in media, and they like, D, so you're in a shoot slump. You're not making any shots. I was like, oh, well, we're 24-0. I'm in the gym every night trying to fix that, but as long as we're winning, I'm going to continue to play defense, and 24-0 pretty, looked pretty good. The reporter looking, was looking at me like, I'm, I'm being the a-hole. I'm like, no, you talking about some shooting slump and trying to get me mentally. It ain't about me. Yeah. Yes, I got to make some shots, though. I know that. So I got to answer that question in a way where I get it. I'll be back. You know, but how about my defense? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I, I gotta, I gotta, you know, talk about something else. Like you're right, I can't make no shots right now. But now nah, it's about the team, and we're gonna play team basketball. So everybody show up. It's gonna be fun. We got a dance team. We got <laughs> got beautiful uh, New Jerseys, uh, and we got a group of guys that like each other and they're great kids. Well, Coach Brown, I'd say it has been such a pleasure talking with you. I'm really excited for the basketball season. I hope you have a great season, and uh, I'm really excited to welcome you as uh, the Lakers head coach. And thank you so much. How are you? And Justice for All is produced by Roosevelt University and is available at roosevelt.edu or anywhere you get your podcasts. The music for And Justice for All is written and produced by Jesse Case. Thanks for listening.